Good afternoon, everyone. Okay, good afternoon and welcome to the San Francisco Historic Preservation Commission hearing for Wednesday, September 6, 2023. To enable public participation, SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming this hearing live and we will receive public comment for each item on today's agenda. Each speaker will be allowed up to three minutes and when you have 30 seconds remaining, you will hear a chime indicating your time is almost up. When your allotted time is reached, I will announce that your time is up and take the next person queued to speak. We will take public comment from persons in City Hall first and then, and then open up the remote access line. For those persons participating via WebEx, the password is HPC2023. Uh, and when, uh, you, when the item you're interested comes up, please raise your hand um, using the raised hand function. For those persons calling in to submit their testimony, please call area code 415-655-0001 and enter access code 26608288973 and then press pound twice. Wait for the item you are interested in speaking to and for public comment to be announced. To comment, you must enter star three to raise your hand. And once you've raised your hand, you will hear a prompt that you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. When you hear that you are unmuted, that is your indication to begin speaking. Best practices are to call from a quiet location and please mute the volume on your television or computer. For those persons attending in City Hall, please line up on the screen side of the room or to your right. Please speak clearly and slowly and if you care to, state your name for the record. Uh, I will ask that we all silence any mobile devices that may sound off during these proceedings. And um, at this time, I will take roll. Commission President Matsuda. Here. Commission Vice President Nagaswarn. Here. Commissioner Foley. Present. Commissioner Vergara. Here. And Commissioner Wright. Here. Thank you, Commissioners. First on our agenda is general public comment. At this time, members of the public may address the Commission on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the Commission except agenda items. With respect to agenda items, your opportunity to address the Commission will be afforded when the item is reached in the meeting. Each member of the public may address the Commission for up to three minutes. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three. Seeing no one in the chambers coming forward, let's go to our remote caller. Hello, good afternoon. This is Michael Petralis calling in. I'm representing FAT, friends, friends and allies of the Castro Theater. I'm calling in because the mismanagement of the Castro Theater by another Planet Entertainment has basically killed the Castro Theater. There have been at least 240 dark nights since I took over the theater in January of 2022. Looking at their um, calendar from now until the end of January 2024, we see that there will be at least 160 dark nights at the Castro Theater. And when I say dark nights, I mean there are no movies, there are no musical concerts, there are no lectures scheduled. So even though the um, uh, Historic Preservation Commission has already voted um, 
to give another planet what they want to renovate the interior of the Castro Theater. I think it's important to remind the members that um, you basically killed what was a movie palette. And um, in addition to um, no programming at the theater, unfortunately, there is very little foot traffic in the Castro Commercial Corridor um, because there are no programs, especially on the weekends when right now we would expect there to be um, matinee screenings of the movie Barbie, bringing lots of school kids, lots of fans of the doll Barbie to the Castro neighborhood. That's not happening. We have absolutely no commitment from another planet to change their management in terms of bringing in any sort of programming to this theater. Um, it's really a shame that um, we are witnessing not just the death of the Castro Theater and a um, serious uh, diminishment of film culture in the city, but we are seeing that the Castro neighborhood is not in any way benefiting from the vote that this commission took a few months ago um, in favor of another planet. I would ask uh, the commission members to take a stroll um, on the Castro on the weekends when there are no programming and see just what a dead space the Castro Theater is right now. Thank you for listening. Last call for general public comment for items not on today's agenda. Seeing no additional requests to speak, commissioners, we can move on to department matters. Item one, department announcements. Good afternoon, commissioners. Rich Ukray, department staff. Just wanted to provide an update with you on our public meeting from last week on the new historic resource review application. We had a great attendance with about 40 people in attendance, including two of our commissioners. So thank you very much for coming. Um, we are basically open towards receiving feedback at this point. Um, our application is live and we're accepting new um, historic resource review applications. Keep in mind that this application is meant to basically consolidate the three separate applications that we have people file for historic resource review. Um, so it doesn't change any of our work relative to um, you know, stewarding and protecting our historic resources or undertaking our obligations under the California Environmental Quality Act. Um, so I have sent out messages to the attendees and if you have any questions or concerns, please feel free to reach out accordingly. Um, the other items I'd like to update you on include your landmark designation work program. Um, we recently received a referral from Supervisor Ronan to initiate landmark designation on the Grand Theater in the Mission. Um, in addition, um, and I can't remember if I mentioned this last time, but we also received a referral from Supervisor Melgar um, to initiate landmark designation on the Westwood gates. Um, so our staff are working on both of those applications um, or initiations accordingly. And so you'll see both of those um, designation reports within the next couple months. Um, finally, I just wanna make sure you're aware of an open forum that we are hosting in conjunction with the African American Arts and Culture Cultural District um, on the African American Historic Context Statement. 
So we have finally set a date, um, which is amazing. And we are hosting an open forum on Monday, September 25th, starting for at 4 p.m. and going till 7 p.m. Um, the intent of the forum is to basically highlight the African-American historic context statement, share out the good news, collect more stories um, that might be relevant um, to its production. As you know, you saw in January of this year, we hosted a draft of the version, and so we've been working with community members to host an additional meeting, a community meeting specifically, um, to kind of make sure we um, basically um, prom both promote and um, vet any other um, information that's contained within that document. So we hope that you will all be able to attend, and I will also forward information to you directly in your emails. And that concludes my report. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I, Commissioner Rivera and I attended the HRR discussion, and I thought it was very good. Is, so what's the next step on that? Is that like an iterative process of you collecting the comments, and then you'll uh, receive them, review them, consolidate them, and then create some kind of draft? Correct. So what we will do from this stage is collect all the comments that we're receiving on the application. Um, I will then sit down with the other preservation managers and we will revise the application accordingly and or provide additional clarification. And then what I'll do is send out a bullet pointed list of what we've updated and or clarified um, subsequent to that application. Great, great. And then um, on the African American Historic Context Statement, if you could resend the document, I think it would be helpful and have it somewhere uh, very prominent on the website so others can take a look at that and I can forward it on and hopefully get others to, to join us that day. Thank you. Okay, if there's nothing further, commissioners, we can move on to Commission Matters Item 2, Consideration of Adoption. Draft minutes for August 16th, 2023. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on their minutes. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three. Seeing no request to speak, commissioners, public comment on your minutes is closed and they are now before you. Motion to approve. Second. Thank you, commissioners, on that motion to adopt your minutes. Commissioner Vergara? Yes. Commissioner Wright? Yes. Commissioner Foley? Aye. Commissioner Nagaswaran? Yes. And Commission President Matsuda? Yes. So move, Commissioners. That motion passes unanimously 5 to 0 and will place us on item 3, Commission comments and questions. Are there any Commission comments or questions? Okay. Seeing none, we can move on to item 4, the San Francisco Historical Society U.S. Bank matter. Um, this was added to your agenda Thank for you. you to consider possibly drafting a letter or something. Yes, thank lines. you. Um, so commissioners, we were contacted by the San Francisco Historical Society to um, request that we write letters to the new, uh, I guess, management of U.S. Bank. These are the successors of the um, Union Bank of California. And prior to uh, the bank becoming the U.S. Bank, uh, there were some very serious and committed conversations about having uh, some of the historical artifacts that was owned by the Union Bank Mitsubishi Union Financial Group uh, to be donated to the San Francisco Historical Society. And as sometimes it happens, it got lost in uh, transition. And so we um, have been asked to write to the 
president and CEO, as well as the corporate responsibility offer and the chief financial officer of U.S. Bank Corp Center to make our inquiry and our strong letter of support to have those artifacts be brought back to this historical society. So this is um, an action item, I understand. So if I can ask uh, for somebody to make a motion for us to send the letter off, and it will be signed by me. Make a motion to send the letter to uh, U.S. Bank. Second. Thank you, Commissioners. Uh, on that motion, then, to um, support a letter from Commission President Matsuda representing the Historic Preservation Commission regarding U.S. Bank. Commissioner Vergara? Yes. Commissioner Wright? Yes. Commissioner Foley? Aye. Commissioner Nagaswaran? Yes. And Commission President Matsuda? Thank you, yes. So move, Commissioners. That motion passes unanimously 5-2-0. And will place us under consideration of items proposed for continuance, item 5, case number 2021-010176-COA for the property at 2259 through 2261 Fillmore Street, a certificate of appropriateness is proposed for continuance this September 20th, 2023. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on this item only on the matter of continuance. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand via WebEx. Seeing no request to speak, public comment is closed and your continuance calendar is now before you, commissioners. Is there a motion? Motion to continue. Second. Thank you, commissioners, on that motion to continue item five to September 20th. Commissioner Vergar? Yes. Commissioner Wright? Yes. Commissioner Foley? Aye. Commissioner Nagas Warren? Yes. And Commission President Matsuda? Yes. So move, commissioners, that motion passes unanimously five to zero, placing us under your regular calendar for item six, case number 2022-004374COA for the property at 100 Columbus Avenue, a certificate of appropriateness. I believe, Commissioner Wright, you have a request to recuse? Yes, I'd like to request for to be recused from this item. We have a motion to... Motion to recuse. Second. Second. Thank you, Commissioners. On that motion to recuse, Commissioner Wright, Commissioner Vergara? Yes. Commissioner Wright? Yes. Commissioner Foley? Aye. Commissioner Lagasworn? Yes. And Commission President Matsuda? Yes. So moved, Commissioners. Commissioner Wright, you are hereby recused and will request that you leave the chambers. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Rebecca Salgado, Planning Staff. Before you is a request for a certificate of appropriateness for alterations to 100 Columbus Avenue, located at the northeast corner of Columbus Avenue and Jackson Street. The property is a contributor to the Article 10 Landmark District, uh, Jackson Square Landmark District, and was constructed in 1907. I'd like to note for the record that the certificate of appropriateness's uh, executive summary and motion have been slightly revised to include an additional condition of approval related to any accidental discovery of archeological resources, which was inadvertently left out of the hearing packet. I have hard copies on hand of the relevant pages of the updated executive, executive summary and motion with the additional condition of approval highlighted. And I'm also happy to go over the specifics if so desired. The project proposes to change the use of the existing rear courtyard open area from a public parking lot to a one story plus basement office building with surrounding landscaping. The new building will provide additional office space for a company that currently has office and retail space at 809 and 831 Montgomery Street, 
whose rear lot lines adjoin the existing rear open area at 100 Columbus Avenue. Two existing non-historic gates at the Columbus Avenue and Jackson Street frontages will be replaced in association with this change of use with all other proposed work to occur in the rear open area. The Planning Commission will also consider a request for a conditional use authorization at an upcoming hearing to be held on September 14, 2023. Staff finds that the proposed work will be in conformance with the requirements of Article 10 and the Secretary of the Interior Standards for Rehabilitation. The proposed work will not modify the existing retail and residential uses at the 100 Columbus Avenue building. The proposed new one-story office building and landscaping will not be physically attached to the historic 100 Columbus Avenue building and will be entirely located within the existing rear open area, which is minimally visible from the street. The two gates proposed to be replaced at the Columbus Avenue and Jackson Street frontages are not historic, and the new gates installed in their place will not damage or obscure any distinctive features of the historic building. The new office building and gates will have a simple contemporary design that is compatible with the existing building and district, but also does not create a false sense of history. Based on preliminary archaeological review completed by the planning department's cultural resource staff, the project was determined to not result in significant impacts to archaeological resources. However, if any archaeological resources are discovered during the project's soil disturbing activities, the accidental discovery measure, which is included as a condition of approval, would ensure that unanticipated, unanticipated resources are appropriately treated. Staff's preliminary recommendation for this project is for approval with conditions. After packets for this hearing were published, planning staff received three additional letters of support for the project. These letters were forwarded to the commissioners and copies are also available for your review. This concludes my presentation unless there are any questions and the project sponsor also has a brief presentation of the project. Project sponsor, you'll have five minutes. Good afternoon, commissioners. Um, my name is Matt Cerny, I'm from Love From. Uh, we're a creative collective that specialize in multiple design disciplines. Uh, Love From was founded in Jackson Square in 2019, and we're excited to present this project, which expands on our base of operations in a neighborhood that has a rich history of design and creativity. We're a small team, and our work necessitate, necessitates collaboration. We're seeking to create an inspiring space that sparks creativity and innovation. Our hope is to showcase the neighborhood as a high-profile, lively commercial district for locals and visitors, and to preserve the unique fabric of Jackson Square. The project before you seeks to replace the rear parking lot at 100 Columbus with a modest single-story building surrounded by new landscaping, and to replace non-historic gates on the existing buildings Columbus Avenue and Jackson Street frontages with new gates. Elisa Skaggs of Page and Turnbull will briefly discuss the compatibility of the project with the historical district, and my colleague, design architect James McGrath, will briefly discuss the project's design. Uh, thank you for your time, and we hope that you approve Love from Certificate of Appropriateness. Thank you. Good afternoon, Commissioners. My name is Elisa Skaggs, and I'm with Page and Trumbull. Uh, Page and Trumbull is the, is the uh, project, is the preservation architect for this project. Constructed in 1907, 100 Columbus is located at the corner of Columbus Avenue and Jackson Street and is a contributor to the Jackson Square Historic District. 
The exterior of, of 100 Columbus retains integrity, though it's been altered, most notably in 1973 when the center storefront along Columbus Avenue was approved to be removed via a certificate of appropriateness to provide access to the lot behind the building. It's the lot behind 100 Columbus that's the subject of, the certificate, of this certificate of appropriateness. The lot is hidden from view, surrounded on all sides by buildings fronting Pacific, Montgomery, Jackson Streets, and Columbus Avenue. It has been used for parking and at one time had a parking garage shown in the top left photo. As shown in these photos, the parking lot is utilitarian in nature and has not attained significance in its own right and does not contribute to the character of 100 Columbus. As shown in uh, uh, the, sorry, the proposed project is um, on the right, is limited to the construction of a small pavilion within the lot that will not be visible from the public right of way and therefore will not impact the Jackson Square Historic District. The pavilion's construction will be independent of the surrounding buildings so that no historic fabric is impacted. It will have a simple contemporary design but will be compatible with the district and the immediate buildings in scale and materials, namely brick, wood, steel, and glass. The project includes two features that will be visible. Two existing utilitarian gates along Columbus and Jackson will be replaced with new gates that have a simple design. The gates will be largely transparent with an aesthetic that improves the pedestrian experience. And I'll turn it over to my colleague, James. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is James McGrath, and I'm a design architect with Love From. Here we see uh, Columbus Avenue entrance to the courtyard with the existing roller shutter on gate on the left and our proposed design on the right. Our design maintains transparency and is in keeping with the neighborhood both in its design and its materials. The proposed material for the gate is steel with a natural patina met metallized finish. The finish is monochromatic with a slight variation to the hue and tone and the colors range from a medium to a dark bronze brown. Uh, we propose to replace the existing solid roller shutter gate to the Jackson Street entrance with a new hinged gate similar in design to the proposed Columbus Avenue gate. This gate will also be more transparent and so improving the, the public experience from the sidewalk. This elevation here shows that the gate replacement will not affect the existing adjacent elevations of 100 Columbus Avenue or 530 Jackson Street. The proposed design you see here is a single-story brick, steel, glass, and wood multi-purpose building which supports the Love From office. The design is modest in scale. The top of the building is no higher than the first story of the existing 100 Columbus building. Uh, the, pavilion, the, the pavilion building is designed to be sympathetic to the neighborhood and its proposed materials and its position in the courtyard uh, as, are in keeping with the, the, the neighborhood. How much time would you need? Oh, I'm just lost. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, these views show the design in context, the courtyard and surrounding buildings. They also show the proposed greening or landscaping of the space that was previously a surface parking lot. We're excited to be in Jackson Square and we love the neighborhood and we're very happy to be good stewards of these buildings. We thank you very much for your time and we hope you will approve Love From's application for the Certificate of Appropriateness. Thank you. Thank you. 
Very good. We should take public comment. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the Commission on this matter. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three. Seeing no members of the public requesting to speak, public comment is closed. This item is now before you, Commissioners. Thank you. Commissioners? Commissioner Nagaswar, did you want to make a comment? No? Commissioner Foley. So I walk by Hunter Columbus probably five times a week. I live in the neighborhood. I am super excited about this project. I don't even know what to say how excited I am. I think the gates are great. I think getting rid of the surface parking lot and putting the cute little building with trees in there is phenomenal. I welcome you to the neighborhood. I will continue to walk by it on my way to Kakari, Catania, and to work out. So thank you very much. Thank you. Any other commissioners? Commissioner Vergara. Well, I just called public comment, sir. Did you want to speak to it? Through the, well, hold on just a second. Through the chair, would you like to reopen the public comment? Okay. We will reopen co public comment. Uh, building next door at 530 Jackson Street. Uh, my children were born there. I've lived there for 25 years. And uh, I have a business there, so I'm there 24 hours a day. And I'm absolutely ex so excited about this because we've seen what the neighborhood is, how historical it is. and. We've tried to keep it up ourselves, but this is um, um, something that is fantastic for the neighborhood and for the city. Thank you. Okay. Okay, last call for public comment. Okay, come on up, folks. I mean. Hello. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Michael Velzo. Um, I'm a partner at Jackson Square Financial, um, a financial advisory firm located at 48 Gold Street. Um, we own our building. Um, I am also the president of the Jackson Square Merchants Association and the Jackson Square Historic District Association. I've served on the board and remain close contact with the Barbary Coast Neighborhood Association, whose boundaries include Jackson Square, and I'm also a current board member of, downtown, of the Downtown SF Partnership, which is the CBD whose boundaries include Jackson Square. Uh, myself and my partners at Jackson Square Financial are in strong support um, of love from acquiring a certificate of appropriateness. Uh, the project really adds to the energy and vibrancy of the neighborhood and aids in the economic recovery of greater downtown by enlivening the retail spaces surrounding uh, 100 Columbus. Further, um, I have seen the proposed design and, you know, similar to what, we, what they presented here and I believe it to be thoughtful and in keeping and enhancing the neighborhood's historic character. Um, I would strongly urge the commission to approve the um, certificate of appropriateness. Thank you. Hi, George Ravel. I'm a small business owner on Jackson Street, um, a neighbor to Love From. I've been watching their project and have been, um, you know, it, it, it's a big project going on in the neighborhood, and they've been incredibly thoughtful um, partners in Jackson Square, and I've been really impressed with what they've done and how they've treated the neighbors and included us in everything that's going on, and to the level of which that they've um, done all of their projects uh, throughout the neighborhood. So I'm, I'm in support of what they're doing in Jackson Square. Um, I think it will be good for my business going forward and uh, couldn't, couldn't be happier to have them in the neighborhood and as a, uh, as a partner uh, on Jackson Street. So thank you. 
Good afternoon, commissioners. Not to sound like a broken record, but <laughs> my name is Eric Haywood. I am the director of retail for the uh, cultural nonprofit called the Ames Institute of Infinite Curiosity. Uh, it is related to the uh, collection of holdings, uh, things that belong to Charles and Ray Ames, generally considered the greatest designer, American designers of the 20th century. As part of our mission of preserving the Eames legacy, uh, we've looked around at other important design legacies and in October of 2022, purchased William Stout Architectural Books, a landmark uh, architecture and design bookstore located across the street from Love From at 803, uh, did I have that right? 804 Montgomery, <laughs> 803 is then. Uh, needless to say, uh, if I were to, in the dusty basement of Stout, have found a lamp and rubbed a magic genie out of it that gave me one wish of who a neighbor could be to share our mission in revitalizing the design community of Jackson Square, I would have requested love from. And our conversations with them so far have been completely invigorating about our joint visions uh, for creating a vibrant civic space centered around architecture, design, and community in Jackson Square. We're very excited to be there. Our shop has been there for 35 years in that space. Uh, so needless to say, we support and very much hope that you will approve this certificate of appropriateness. Thank you. Hello, my name is Gina Peterson. Um, I'm here uh, with the Postscript Collective, which is at 499 Jackson. It's on the corner of uh, Jackson and Montgomery. We just opened a cafe. Um, my husband, Stuart, and I own the building as well, so when I, I am a manager of that building. We've um, been doing renovations on that building for a while, and it's been so wonderful to have such great neighbors to also really be thoughtful about the design and the, keeping the historical preservation. Um, in addition to uh, owning, like I said, owning and running Postscript, I am the manager of, of the building at 499 Jackson, and we also are tenants of the, of the building as well. Um, as owners of the building uh, and, and of businesses there, um, and how, how deeply invested we are uh, in Jackson Square, we're thrilled that uh, Love From is in the neighborhood. And like everyone else has said, it is um, so nice to have somebody so thoughtful. Uh, Postscript and um, my husband Stuart's uh, company, Artists, uh, we are both in strong support of Love's, Love From's acquiring a certificate of appropriateness um, and their expansion. We've seen um, the designs um, as well. And um, we just, I'd like to, to strongly uh, urge you, commissioners, to approve Love From's project. Thank you. Okay, last call for public comment on this item. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three. Seeing no request to speak, public comment is closed. And now this item is Thank now you. before you. Uh, Commissioner Rivera, did you want to make a comment? No need to. No need to. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Nadas Warren. Uh, I just wanted to clarify, Ms. Salgado, if um, the renderings that we just saw in the slideshow are different than what was in the packet. 
Uh, yes, I believe the the main difference is that the gates have become more transparent. Um, that is a recent development. Um, but uh, the the design team could speak maybe further to that as well, just to confirm. But could I my, see the images once again of the two gates? I I think I saw the second smaller gate fairly well, but I didn't see the first gate as clearly. Uh, yes, we, we revised the design uh, to make it more transparent. Uh, there was a comment that was made about uh, making sure there was full transparency. So the, the one game. on the right, well, uh, sorry, right. go back. I'm sorry. Um, I, can see, I can see this one clearly. The other one is quite small. Yeah. So I'm just wanting to see if it has the same vertical it, it's elements. It's the same vertical elements Got as it. the, as okay. the small rather one. So they're, they're both the same design. Yep, rather than the metal screen. That, that's correct, yeah. Okay, yeah. very good. It was, okay. it was a comment to make it more transparent. And you don't happen to have a drawing of that, um, that image? Because uh, it's very difficult to see in this. I can call one up if you... If yes, please. Primarily because I want to make sure that we have that on the record, that it's different than what was submitted. I don't know whether that provides a little bit better view, um, Commissioner Nagasawan. I zoomed in. Still, oh, yeah, now if I tilt this, it's a little bit better. But it's I see. pretty simple. It has uh, simple pickets and um, painted steel. Okay, thank you. Did you want to see Appreciate the drawing? It. Yeah, the, if they have a drawing, that would be helpful as well. Just to see the two gates um, side by side would be helpful. Gags, are you able to put the renderings together? Um, are we able to plug in another device to this? Uh, yeah, if you put it on your screen, you can use the overhead. Oh, that's okay. better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. I see. And could you show me the other gate as well, just so I can see what the the sorry the other smaller gate, so I that can see what how they're related. The proposed gate, right? The, the Correct. The proposed gate for the other smaller gate. Ah, okay. You can just move it up and down. There you go. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So one is a swinging gate, one is an overhead gate, or are they both swinging gates? Okay. 
Sir, I'll have to ask you, you need to speak into the microphone. They're, bo they're both swinging gates. The larger gate has uh, a single uh, swing gate mm -hmm. and then um, a bifold folding back for the other, uh, the other larger sections. Okay, very good. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. I appreciate it. Motion to approve. I'll second. Thank you, commissioners, on that motion to approve the certificate of appropriateness. Uh, Commissioner Vergara? Yes. Commissioner Foley? Aye. Commissioner Nagus Warren? Yes. And Commissioner President Matsuda? Yes. So moved, commissioners. A motion passes unanimously four to zero. And Commissioner Wright, if you could re rejoin us in the chambers, please. We can move on to item seven for case number 2023-000799-COA for the property at 740 Tennessee Street. Also a certificate of appropriateness. Gigi, if you could can, can give, you give us, us a one second. second. Until oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just setting up. Great, thank you. Great. Thank you. All right, ready? All right. Good afternoon, commissioners. Gretel Gunther, Planning Department staff. The item before you requests a certificate of appropriateness for the project at 740 Tennessee Street between 18th and 19th Streets. Thank you. The subject property was built circa 1881 and is a contributor to the Dogpatch Landmark District. The subject property is a four-story, four-unit residential building built in a vernacular style of architecture. The project before you abates planning enforcement case number 2019-004570-ENF for work completed beyond the scope of what was previously approved under Historic Preservation Commission motion number 0414. The project includes legalization of changes to the basement level and interior floor plan, legalization of ground floor entry alterations, legalization of two court and steel planters slash diverters installed at both sides of the garage door opening on the front facade, legalization of a jacuzzi on the roof deck, legalization of a six foot tall metal gate slash fence at the front property line on the north elevation installed with vertical pickets instead of a cross grid design, and legalization of repair only instead of replacement of an existing 12 foot six inch chain like fence. These scopes of work will not damage or destroy distinguishing original qualities or the character of the subject building or of the dog patch landmark district. The project as proposed by the project sponsor would also include legalization of mechanical equipment at the ground floor on the exterior of the north elevation, legalization of a 22-inch tall exterior wood chase slash soffit above the ground floor attached to the north elevation wall, interior infill of five window openings at the ground floor, and interior infill of the half-moon window on the front facade below the peak of the gable. The project sponsor also proposes additional new scopes of work that have not yet been undertaken, including installation of a new 10-foot-tall solid steel gate slash fence at the north elevation, set 10 feet in from the front property line, and installation of two new condenser units at the ground floor of the exterior of the south elevation. Staff recommends the following four modifications to the project. Modification one, 
relocate all mechanical equipment installed and proposed on the exterior of the ground floor of the north and south elevations to the interior of the subject building and repair of any siding accordingly. Modification two, relocate the pipes for the sprinkler system to the interior of the subject building, remove the exterior chase slash soffit on the north elevation and repair the siding accordingly. Modification three, remove portions of all interior walls at the ground floor and fourth floor that currently block existing window openings. In modification four, modify the newly proposed 10 foot tall solid steel gate slash fence to be consistent with the previously approved 75% transparent six foot tall painted metal gate slash fence. Staff would also like to note that upon additional review and after publication of the case report, it appears that the roof of the subject building was raised without the benefit of a certificate of appropriateness or permit based on images of the building. The upper corners of the upper bay windows used to be flush with the gable roof line, but now there appears to be a gap between the upper bay windows and the roof line, indicating the roof may have been raised during construction. In order to remedy this, the department requests a condition of approval be added to allow the department to take corrective action regarding the roof. We welcome any direction the commission can provide. I also have hard copies of the originally approved plans from 2019 and images of the building, if commission needs. To date, department staff has received correspondence from two members of the public regarding the project. The first was a general inquiry about the project, neither in support nor opposition to the project. The second indicated support for the project as proposed by the project sponsor. The department finds that the project with modifications will retain and preserve the historic character of the building and will not result in the removal of historic fabric. Staff recommends that the commission approve the proposed project with modifications and adopt the attached draft motion to that effect as the project with modifications meets the provisions of article 10 of the planning code regarding major alteration to a contributing resource in the landmark district and the secretary of the interior standards for rehabilitation. Further, the project with modifications is in compliance with all other provisions of the planning code, including appendix L of article 10. This concludes my presentation and I am available for any questions. Kelly Wong of enforcement staff is also here to answer any questions regarding the enforcement case in history. I will now turn it over to the project sponsor for a presentation. Thank you. Project sponsor, you have five minutes. Okay, uh, thank you. Good afternoon, President Matsuda, members of the commission. I'm Tom Tunney of Ruben Junius and Rose, Land Use Council for the project sponsor. With me is our architect, Vincent Gonzaga, and the other members of our project team are here and available for any questions you may have. The current team was brought on board by the property owner over a year ago to replace the prior team when he learned of the work that the team had done without required review. The owner is committed to bringing this property into full compliance with every applicable code and restored to its original grandeur 
and has spent years and spent, spared no cost in doing so, and neighbors have been overwhelmingly supportive. The current team has been open and transparent with staff with site visits, property photos, revised drawings, anything requested by staff. Some items before you were things the team discovered on its own and brought to staff's attention, such as the jacuzzi on the roof and the fourth floor half moon window, the infill of which, as staff has requested, we're willing to remove. Where we stand now is your consideration of certain exterior utilities, which as you might imagine, presents some unique challenges for a four unit, 145 year old apartment building. We've done our best to reconfigure these utilities to minimize any impact on the historic resource. All of the items under review are located on secondary facades. And as stated, this building is not individually significant as a resource, but rather as a contributor to the district. Some of the utilities, such as the electrical meters, present a unique challenge because PG&E requires access from the exterior. They were installed to meet PG&E's requirements, and it's no secret how difficult it is to get PG&E to make even minor changes to its requirements. Another unique challenge here is dealing with the ongoing crime and vandalism in the neighborhood. And lastly, our desire to accommodate noise and privacy impacts on neighbors, all of which brings us to what we have before you today. These initial photos show you where we've come with this property. The photos of the original building are from only six years ago. Looking more closely, you can see where we started with the utilities on this building. We've removed a tremendous amount of utility equipment. The upper floors on both the south and the north sides today are completely open. Staff supports the front facade with no changes requested, save for the question about the area above the, the bays, which we can discuss. Looking next at the north elevation, the elevation above is existing and below is what we've proposed. You can see the reduction in scope. A few items remain that we've tried to address as best we can. We would turn the electrical conduit lines 90 degrees and paint the cylinder to match the siding. The soffit housing the fire line matches the siding and color of the building and would be pushed back 14 feet from the front building wall, where 15 feet is a typical setback required for resources, and that's typically for horizontal and vertical additions, where this is only a minor bump out. We can significantly reduce the size of the electrical meters. We've relocated the condensers to the rear of the south side of the building, which is the least visible location while also having the least impact on neighbors and noise to the rear and the north and to the rear yard usable open space of the building itself. The condensers need to be outside for ventilation requirements. We've tried to find ways to move this equipment to the inside, but it all presented different different challenges, making it very difficult, if not impossible. We submit this is a significant improvement on the existing condition and not an impact on the resource and consistent with the Secretary of the Interior Standards. The remaining proposals are security related. The interior coverings on the ground floor windows protect privacy and discourage potential crime. The coverings are no different than shades or blinds and again, these are secondary facades, and this building is a contributor, not individually significant. The 10-foot gate on the north side 
is proposed for security reasons. We're happy to make it more transparent, as staff has, has re recommended. On the other hand, having it remain solid obscures the visibility of the utilities. <clears throat> We'd appreciate the commission's input on, on the gate and your preference. With that, I'll conclude, and we appreciate your consideration. Thank you. Thank you. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on this item. If you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand via WebEx. Seeing no members of the public in the chambers, please come forward. If you want to make public comment, please come forward. Good afternoon. My name is Tim Wright. Um, I live in 732 Tennessee Street, which is a Victorian property right next to 740. Uh, I'm here to represent myself and also my family, uh, specifically my better half, Janie, my wife, um, Alex, our eight-year-old son, and Francis, my four-year-old daughter. My father <clears throat> is an historic buildings architect, and most of his career was spent working on old houses uh, in Ireland uh, owned by the National Trust. So I've been immersed, whether I like it or not, in historic buildings preservation work. We live in the historic neighborhood of Dogpatch, uh, which is a great opportunity to live in a beautiful Victorian house in a neighborhood full of other similar period buildings. And our property, although it's been seismically upgraded, uh, the facade has been kept entirely, I think, uh, period. Um, uh, and we like to think that we're good custodians of this Victorian that we live in. Initially, when we learned about the work that was going to be done at 740, you know, we were happy because the property had fallen into a state of fairly significant disrepair during the uh, prior ownership. And also because we knew we were in a historic building district, we were confident given the importance that you all place on preserving the historic fabric, the work would be done appropriately and the end result would be beautiful. And you know, we care about beautiful objects, of course, just like everyone else. Um, unfortunately, things haven't really worked out that way for us. Uh, I wouldn't want to lay the blame at the, at the feet of the existing team because I know there's been turnover in the team. Um, but just from the beginning of the project, there's been a consistent pattern of things not being done the way they were supposed to get done and the way that we were told they were going to get done. Uh, the first example of this was you know, immediately uh, the, the, the contractors started building a 15-foot hole underneath the building that has the basement. And it's obviously not historically appropriate, but it's hidden. We were concerned because we were worried about our foundations being undermined, and we were not consulted. And then there's just been more and more of this as, as time has gone on over the last five years as we've been living at this construction site. And we've been just consistently, it's worth it, we'll stick with it, the end result's going to be good, we'll just let this happen. But now with things where they are at the end of the project, we feel like we have to speak up. So we have some concerns about not just the current state, but also what's being proposed to remedy it. Again, I know this wasn't the work of the existing team, and I know they are making efforts to improve the situation. I do appreciate that. Specifically, though, so the mechanicals. I don't know if you all have seen pictures of them, but there's a whole bunch of machinery and meters and stuff that's been laid down in the passage between our properties. This was done entirely without our consent. There was no consultation 
or consent by us, uh, let alone the planning uh, uh, department. Thank you, sir, but that is your time. Uh, may I just wrap up one more, one more sentence? So we, we, we think they should be placed elsewhere, either on the roof or inside the building. Right now, they make so much noise, our son can't sleep when they run. Second, the fence and the gate, an, an opaque fence is unacceptable because it would obscure the passageway, which is a security risk for us, not an improvement. We want the police to be able to have a line of sight down the passageway between our two buildings in case someone tries to get into one of our side windows. So for these reasons, in addition to the fact that work's not been done to plan and it's historically inappropriate, we're concerned. And we can't really support the plans in their current proposed date. Thank you for hearing me out. Okay, um, seeing no other members of the public in the chambers coming forward, let's go to our remote caller. Oh, good, good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, I'm Jonathan Perlman. Uh, I am uh, speaking today, and I assume you got my email yesterday uh, to talk about some of the uh, onerous conditions that uh, are, or modifications that are being asked for on this project. Um, I think some of them, like the, uh, the issues of the fences and the, the, the gates, are appropriate. Um, I don't know that 75% is appropriate. It seems uh, kind of overkill and, uh, and, and far too onerous because if you look around Dogpatch, uh, most side alleys, as well as all over San Francisco, have gates or you know, solid gates or much denser gates. People put their garbage cans back there. It's a very common thing. So while they they may not be uh, solid, um, it would be good to review this uh, to do something uh, much denser than the 75% open. Also, I'm unclear as to why the uh, department asked for the chain link fence to be retained. Perhaps the same fence on the north and south alleys would be appropriate. Um, so that's something that could be reviewed with staff. Um, in terms of relocating all of the mechanical equipment inside, that seems extremely onerous because of uh, the conditions that Mr. Tunney mentioned about PG&E. Um, it is virtually impossible to uh, get PG&E off the dime and to change their minds about things. The fire department has similar requirements, which are very, very difficult to modify. Um, and uh, as mentioned, HVAC condensers um, do uh, have to be on exterior to the building. They cannot be interior to the building. And as currently seen, they're located well to the back of the south side, very far back from the street. I don't think any of the modifications that are being requested um, change the fact that the building does meet the Secretary of Interior standards with the modifications or without. Um, and if it meets it without the modifications, then there's no particular preservation reason why um, it would be required to move um, you know, at substantial cost to the owner um, the, uh, the equipment. And even the, uh, the, the windows, the issue with the partitions behind the ground floor windows, that is no different. Uh, there is no change from the outside. No one knows uh, one way or another because those windows could easily painted on the inside or have a shade permanently pulled down on the inside. From the outside, they meet the standard. They, they haven't been changed. They have the same trim. Uh, they are glass. 
Um, so therefore, uh, again, removing a partition on the inside does seems you know beyond the scope of what would be required under the Secretary of Interior standards. So I just want to support that basically the proposed project thank you, Mr. Perlman. does meet the standards, and thank you very much for your consideration. Okay, last call for public comment on this item. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand via WebEx, seeing no additional requests to speak, commissioners. Public comment is closed, and this matter is now before you. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Foley? So I'm, I'm pretty frustrated. Um, I've actually renovated a historic structure. I've renovated a historic structure with neighbors that I actually coordinated with and had good relationships with. I actually had to coordinate with PG&E on some pretty tricky things, and I was able to do that. I do appreciate the project sponsor renovating this building. I really do, and I know it's really hard to renovate buildings, but that doesn't mean you just get to break all the rules. And the truth of the matter is, when you looked at the previous project sponsor, they worked with the neighbors, they worked with staff, and staff and the neighbors got everything done. No problem, easy peasy. So now we're sitting here with enforcement having to be here, planning have to be here, have to relook at the whole project. And blaming your other, the, the previous team and closing your eyes is really not a great excuse. So I'm gonna leave all the technical things to the, to the other people on this commission, but personally, I think it's a tragedy that you haven't worked with your neighbors. I think a four and an eight year old child need quiet, and I think they need safety. I think you have to be a good neighbor. Thank you very much. Thank you, Commissioner Nagas Warren. Um, I'll also be interested in any other commissioners' comments on this. Um, it, you know, it's a struggle. I know, being an architect, I'm always trying to coordinate um, mechanical equipment and routing things um, and seeing where they go, but it it is part of the problem solving that one has to do in order to get something done. And I almost see this garage at a, as a place where some of this equipment could go. Uh, you might lose a parking space in there. Um, and as far as the condensers go, um, you know, if there was roof work done, if there's a difference in the roof, then we ought to look at whether we can put these condensers on the roof. Um, or other equipment on the roof so that we have, you know, the respect that we need between the properties as well as, um, although on the street face, one would think that that street face is the most important part, which it is. The view to the side is, is you know, the thing that you're going to notice um, that changes the character of what you're looking at, right? So when you're looking at a historic property, if you see a conduit running up the building on one side and a big junction box or a um, mechanical equipment there, it is going to change your perspective on the character of that historic property. So I think it's important to really think about how to do that. And as far as uh, tran trans um, transparency of the gates, um, I, I can see both arguments on transparency. My initial, um, my initial reaction was that the gates um, could follow the line of the string course that's at the bottom of the building um, and then across and be solid and be with siding, but understanding the neighbor's concern 
Um, I think there needs to be some creativity in that, and also I, I know PG&E is, is you know, difficult to coordinate with, but we have to kind of think a little bit more about this. Um, as it is, the gates are awkward, um, and they do detract from the historical appearance of the building, um, as does the equipment. I'm not sure what I'm looking at with the one rendering with the short gate and then behind it something taller is that a screen or is it the equipment so i'd like to ask that question if the sponsor or the architect would like to those are two gates on the north side there's a there's a front first gate that's six feet high and then the 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 gate behind it is the 10-foot gate that was referenced by staff, that's the one um, that staff is asking for more transparency with. Okay, so it's like a double gate, basically, yes, is what it you're is. doing. Yeah. And is there a reason for that um, versus having one gate or one? The 10 the foot gate is in a location, is, we um, have tried to work with the neighbor um, on this and. Um, I thought had made every effort to communicate. Um, that location was worked out with the neighbor because it prevents somebody from using the neighbor's stairs to get up over a gate. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's too high. You can't use the stairs to get over and then back into oh, the backyards. Mm -hmm. What if it were uh, some sort of shed structure that was solid on one side but open on the other side so that pg and &E could get in um, and also spaced away from the other buildings so we're not having issues of like crossover? What if it was something that looked architectural like a shed structure on one side and then open on the other side where pg and &E could get in so I, i'm trying to think of what that could work what we need what to move be. the meters back i believe that's a nice solution because we could it sounds like we could move the meters back they'd be in that we were concerned that a that an additional structure like that presented the same impact um but right, it, it would solve sure. it, it would solve it would be it would solve two problems yeah um i mean i think you have to look at clearances from the other building as well architecturally mm -hmm. and code wise yeah. um but i i feel like there could be a little bit more study with that and then i don't know if this is something that we could bring to architectural review committee um, and then bring come the project back. back. Yeah. So that they have some feedback from, you know, staff and also. That'd be helpful. I think that'd be great. I think, uh, I, well, I think we have other comments and maybe we can discuss that after all the comments are and questions are addressed. I, and as far as the noise for the neighbor, that was the purpose of moving the condensers to the other side. That's, that's the loud equipment, um, if there is any, so would be on the other side of the building now. So we were hoping that addressed that concern. Thank you. Okay. Commissioner Wright. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm curious if staff, uh, 
has any comments or would like to address any of um, the comments thus far from the project sponsor or from the callers. Um, <clears throat> and I, I also would like um, some clarity um, from staff um, about, uh, it seems like there was a recommendation to do, um, to correct this work, but then it sounded like maybe there's a recommendation to accept the proposed project with modifications, and I'm not really totally clear on where the staff stands on those. Hi, Gigi Gunther, planning staff. Um, I think to address your last question, the way that we wrote the executive summary and the draft motion, the executive summary, we presented the project as a whole, and as a whole includes what the project sponsor proposes, including the new 10-foot tall fence, the condensers, legalizing mechanical equipment, and then construction of that chase and soffit. So we wrote the motion, though, as the project with modifications as recommended by staff. So the draft motion would be aligned with staff's recommendations and modifications, but the executive summary presents a holistic picture and kind of breaks down what scopes, you know, staff is, wants to modify versus what the sponsor is proposing. Oh, okay. So the staff's recommendations are not 100% um, the project sponsor's um, proposed project. Right. That's correct. Thank you. I'm also happy to answer any questions regarding um, scopes of work and I compliance with the guidelines um, set out by the Secretary of the Interior right. for rehabilitating. Right. Did you have a question uh, for staff about the comments that were? Uh, yeah. Do, do you have any response to any of the of the public comments or to um, any of uh, the project sponsors' comments thus far? Yeah, I think uh, the first document I'd like to highlight is the Secretary of the Interior Standards for Rehabilitating Historic Buildings. So not only do they lay out the 10 standards that we analyze in the draft motion, but there's also numerous pages regarding guidelines for how to restore various aspects of a historic building. And so I think I'll highlight a couple of those. So on pages 102 through 109 of the guidelines set out by the Secretary of the Interior, uh, they talk about windows and what is not recommended for windows. Two of the things that are not recommended for windows when rehabilitating historic buildings include obscuring the historic window um, trim with metal or other material and removing character-defining windows to conceal mechanical equipment or to provide privacy for a new use of the building by blocking up the opening. And there are alternatives to just creating a solid partition, such as blinds. I know that was discussed. Staff would be fine with blinds in windows. Um, they do have specific guidance as well for mechanical equipment and what is not recommended for mechanical equipment on pages 125 through 127. One of the things they do not recommend is leaving HVAC ductwork exposed in most finished spaces or installing soffits in a location that will negatively impact the historic character of the interior or exterior of the building. And then another thing they do not recommend is placing air conditioning compressors where they are highly visible and negatively impact the historic character of the building or the setting of the building. Lastly, they also go into what is not recommended for required code work or life safety work. And one of the things they do not recommend, outlined on pages 69 through 71, 
is altering, damaging, or destroying character-defining exterior features, interior spaces, features, finishes, or features of the site and setting while making modifications to a building, its site, or setting to comply with life safety code requirements. You know, that is why we do have a state historic building code. And then another thing they do not recommend is covering character-defining wood features with fire retardant sheathing, possibly those interior partitions, which would result in altering their appearance, again, for the windows. Instead, they recommend installing sensitively designed fire suppression systems, so historic features are preserved. Um, so, you know, you can find a lot more in the Secretary's guidelines, not just, you know, general compliance with the 10 standards. Yeah, okay. thank you. Was that it, or? I, I, I have one more question, but oh, yeah. for the project sponsor, um, I, I'm not clear on, on kind of the, um, the timeline of interventions, but um, it seems like the whole building was uh, gutted and, and uh, remodeled in totality. So it's, it's surprising to me that so much mechanical equipment ended up on the outside of the building. Uh, do you have any reason for that? Well, uh, it, it varies for the different pieces of equipment, but the gas or electrical meters, for example, are on the exterior. That's where for because PG&E asked for them there and to provide access. That that fire line, uh, which the soffit houses, is obstructed, or or the interior construction would be difficult because of the moment frames on that side of the building. Um, the, the contractor can talk a little bit more articulately about that, but um, that made the flow of the line easier. Uh, we were able to push it back uh, so, so from the front of the building and then house it um, in that soffit, which we were submitting was consistent with those with those guidelines uh, and the Secretary of the Interior standards where it's not detracting from the character of the building, uh, much like an addition might, um, as long as it was set back from the front of the building. But, but uh, that's primarily for fire flow reasons that it was pushed out. Um, and then the condensers um, can be moved back where they're uh, less visible the way the, the Secretary of the Interior standards asks um, and I, th I think that's the, the majority of the equipment at issue. Mm, okay, Th thank you. Um, I'm, I have to say personally, I'm not a fan of, um, of the, um, the concealed fire sprinkler on, um, along the north side, um, even the pushed back version. Uh, I think there are lots of, uh, applicants that successfully implement um, mechanical upgrades to buildings without these issues. Thank you, Commissioner Foley. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've renovated a very historic building. It was over 100 years old. It was vacant for 30 years. I understand how difficult it is, and I applaud the project sponsor for taking a project like this on. I do not applaud the project sponsor for trying to cut corners and do things that aren't within the code and don't work with the staff and the neighbor to 
get the right building built. And when I hear someone say that the moment frame was in the way and we had to put a soffit on the outside of the wall for a fire sprinkler, it makes me want to blow my head off. So full disclosure, I'm really upset because I feel like the project sponsor, actually do I have one question. Did the project sponsor raise the roof? We don't think so. Um, we're not sure how that discrepancy came about. Uh, we just learned of it ourselves this morning. We had presented these photos to staff weeks ago, um, just hadn't seen that. Uh, it looks like the, the bays were lowered when they were reconstructed, but we, we don't know at this point. It, so who managed the project? This was a, a prior team. All, all this had been done by the time this team was hired. But didn't the project sponsor hire the team, pay for the team, look at the change orders, look at the drawings, have an architect, all those, all those things? I presume so. A lot of this was happening during COVID, so I, I know not to make that an excuse, but I think communication um, was a problem or and people were kind of doing things by video conference or, or electronic drawings, but I, I don't, we had not even noticed that, that distance. as to how it seems like there's some kind of misunderstanding about, you know, the project sponsors throwing up it, you know, their hand. To be frank, the, the Ma project Ma'am, do you want to was, just introduce yourself Oh, sorry, quick? sorry, Julie Kim. Um, the project sponsor who now owns the building as a sole owner previously had a partner, and she was in charge of the prior architect, the prior general contractor, and this was her project and Unfortunately, they split during COVID. And so the information related to this is not available to us. And that's really all I can say <laughs> about that. So, so, I, I, so you don't have the drawings? I would not have those drawings, no. But you had an architect of record that has drawings that were submitted to I, I don't even know. There wasn't an architect of record. It was a general contractor, I understand it, and an interior designer. Yeah. Uh, can, yeah, can I might, I might yeah. ask if uh, Kelly Wong is our lead enforcement plant, uh, lead for our enforcement team, and has also been doing quite a bit of work on the site. So she might be able to provide some insight in yes. terms of the project history. So That Kelly, would be lovely. Thank you very much. It might be helpful for Kelly to just walk through the timeline in terms of when we became aware of the enforcement matter and basically um, her observations to date. Um, just to yeah. note, Kelly is also um, was formerly and still is our preservation enforcement officer. Right. I mean, if you could particularly focus, Ms. Wong, on I, I really appreciated the executive summary and the clarity of the chronology. Um, from page on page six, the planning department enforcement case history. I think that gives um, the commission a good overview of what has been going on since March 18th of 2019. And that this project, many of the modifications that are being recommended today are modifications because there were no, they were done without permit, right? That's correct. Um, we did not receive, so, 
Again, Kelly Wong, Code Enforcement Manager at the Planning Department. Uh, thank you, President uh, Masuda and fellow commissioners. So all of the work at the building exterior that we're reviewing today were not reviewed by the Planning Department in a permit uh, application, uh, nor was it reviewed under um, a certificate of appropriateness. So when I conducted my final inspection, hoping that work would have been completed per the C of A that was approved, we found this additional scope of work. And only did we discover the possible raising of the roof or some sort of modification at the bay and the roof, uh, looking at the photos that were provided in the letter from um, uh, Mr. Perlman. Thank you. Commissioner Nagus Warren, did you want to ask Ms. Wong specific so, questions? So, Commissioner, just to provide a little more color on, on what Ms. Wong is basically saying, we had a project that was approved. Um, obviously, oh, things yes. were not built according to what that project was and stated. Um, this is when enforcement action subsequently happened. And so um, this latest iteration of the project um, that um, Gretel has been working on has basically been to correct um, and basically legalize the work. and. Just to give some color into our enforcement um, program, we are generally we generally work with our sponsors, right? We want to try and get work legalized. We are we try not to be punitive, um, and so where we can make adjustments or refinements in a project to kind of bring it into compliance with our guidelines, we do, and that's the recommendations that we do. Um, when sometimes we can't come to agreement or alignment on what those guidelines or recommendations were. That's where we specify, for example, conditions of approval to kind of push a project into um, compliance with our guidelines. You know, in, in this case, you know, for um, a landmark property and one that has gone through a kind of substantial um, renovation, you know, as, as you can see from the before and the after, and also knowing that, you know, a, the commission previously approved a prior project on the site you know, it's even more challenging as we kind of try and map out the kind of future of, of what's happening. And so, you know, in this particular instance, we're, we're happy that the sponsor has been working with us to date. Um, this is actually a, a good thing, quite honestly, that actually makes things a little easier. And um, but we understand that the commissioners have a lot of concerns about the direction that the project is going and that there might be some kind of baseline information that we might need to get um, and or consider as part of the record, just to make sure that everything is crystal clear in terms of where it was, what was approved, and the kind of what we need to do moving forward. So. And just Mr. Sucre, this um, chronology that, or the case history that's documented here shows that there were two suspension requests, is that correct? That's correct. And then um, that the HPC did hear and did approve a motion, but we're talking about things that never came before us, right? There's, there's these things that you're now listing now. Um, I am troubled by this. I don't know if the other commissioners are troubled, but uh, there doesn't seem to be a pattern of wanting to follow the rules here. And I'm just wondering about what kind of assurances we have to make sure that rules are going to be followed. I mean, these, this is a very important structure. It's in a, it's in a very important district. 
Uh, we've heard from a member of the public that you know there there are serious concerns about wanting to really preserve a historic structure. So, and I'm just concerned about how we should think about this project moving forward. You've you've given us a good overview about your site visit, what you saw, you went back, another suspension request was issued, and all the things that happened after that. I just leave it to the commission to really um, understand what has gone on with this, the mo modifications that staff is proposing, modification one, two, and three, all focus on things that were done without permit. Can I ask a question? Yes. Uh, Mr. Sucre, could this go back to architectural review? Yeah, I think we can certainly continue the item out and then schedule an architectural review committee um, in the interim. In, in full disclosure, commissioners, you also need to elect a new architectural review committee mm -hmm. since um, two of the former members are no longer there um, or no longer on the commission. So, um, you know, and that way maybe we give a little bit more time to kind of provide insight and shape the project. I, I would also say maybe at, within that time frame, we can conduct some additional inspections with the project team to ensure that we kind of maybe field verify some of the existing conditions and also examine all parts of the building. Um, Ms. Wong, um, do you think that's appropriate? Yes, yes. And, and Ms. Wong, do you have any suggestions uh, recommendations or comments for us to consider? I think the only other additional sort of enforcement process that we typically do is the final special inspections in the building permit application process. So prior to DBI signs off on this new permit, we would actually do a final inspection to ensure that the work that was undertaken is in accordance to all of planning's approvals. But on November 2011, 2022, it says that a DBI inspector had already approved? That, that was the prior permit, yes, which is um, in accordance to the C of A, the prior C of A. So this new uh, C of A that you're reviewing would then be vested under a, a new building permit application, mm -hmm. and then I would do that final inspection in addition to any sort of uh, periodic or monthly uh, building inspection. Yeah, and I think that's actually the way that we can likely address some of the commission's concerns about this. You know, we it has happened, albeit a little bit rarely in, in the past, that we do more regular inspections. You know, our enforcement team, um, while small, they are very mighty. Um, they're very used to going out Powerful. on on on, uh, on job sites and and making sure that the work is is kind of on track with the way it should be. So you know some of this is also um, in making sure that the sponsor outlines a firm schedule for us in terms of like when work is occurring, so that way um, we can also get a sense of when we need to come out according to certain scopes that are happening on the site. And I think it'd be great if the project sponsor worked with the neighbor in a better way. Uh, N Commissioner Nagas Warren. Um, yeah, and so if if this project goes to ARC, I, I mean, I, I would like, you know, if I'm on the uh, commission or the architectural review committee as well, uh, to see, to have 
the facades be studied to the extreme. Like I wanna see what it would take to get everything inside, what it would take to put condensers on the roof. It doesn't mean that we are going to go that direction, but I need to see what it takes to do that in order to see the mediums of, of, of that. Um, because as Commissioner Wright said, this building was gutted and so we need to make an effort to understand how this can be internalized and uh, you know, away from uh, the site um, and also comply with the standards and address the neighbor's concerns. Um, I, I, the conduit, um, the equipment, the condensers, um, the ducting, um, uh, all of that, I would like to see uh, a full force understanding of the code and the historical building code to see if we can minimize some of this equipment, whether we need some of this equipment. Um, as we know in the historical building code, it has, um, you know, uh, uh, allotments and alternatives to mechanical equipment. So we want to look at those very closely and really see if we need this. Um, so that we're not having to, you know, maybe that will save you some energy and take, take away some of this equipment. So, um, yeah, please do that due diligence, look at it very closely, try to get, you know, some concealment, but mostly get it inside, get it on the roof. And, you know, I think it will alleviate a lot of concerns. We could, you know, it's, it's a tough battle when we're seeing so much. And then as far as the gates go, they do need to look a little bit more architectural. They look a little utilitarian and um, n not too, you know, uh, consistent with the neighborhood and the adjacent buildings. So, um, and I know you're dealing with a chain link, link fence on the other side, but I appreciate all of that. Thank you. Commissioner Wright. Um, yeah, I, just, I had a follow-up question. I think um, when the question was was mentioned about um, whether or not the the roof was raised, then there was a comment about reconstruction of the bays. So, does anyone know if the bays were completely removed and rebuilt? Um, is that what I was hearing? I think that's the part of the. That's that's what we're going to try to figure out in this yeah. more more extensive investigation. And, and that I would think be that's helpful. part part of what you know. I think particularly Ms. Wong's okay. you know kind of more fine grain investigation can reveal. You know, I think it'd be helpful to make sure that the sponsor avails themselves of both work on the exterior as well as full access to the interior to make sure that like we can you know see in person if the bays were reconstructed. You know, we do know that the windows are original. Um, it's unclear if the bays were reduced in size. And I know the older version of this had a pent roof on the bays. So there, um, so that has impacted it a little bit. So I don't know if between removing the cornice and the pent that reduced the size of the bay and then increased that gap. Um, but some of this will be reeled if, you know, as we can kind of open up the building a little bit and verify. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious that something happened in the, yeah. these photos. Thank you. Commissioner Foley. 
Yeah, I just want to mention one thing to the project sponsor. This is not meant to be punitive at all, and I, I do appreciate that you're trying to bring this building back, and I, I really do appreciate that, and I appreciate that you had a partner that didn't work out well. I've had that as well. So this is not meant to be punitive at all, but we actually have to be organized around this, and, and again, I'd recommend it to work with your neighbor because it seems like your previous partner was, was not a good neighbor. Um, so I'd, I'd recommend that and kind of start a new leaf. So we're, we're motivated to work with you and have this happen and planning staff is motivated. But for me personally, there's a lot happening here and I just think we need to take a step back. So I appreciate you being here. So I am assuming that we are, uh, we have a motion to not uh, support the C of A and that we are um, going to have this project come back to us, particularly the ARC, and have it reviewed again and studied again. So well, before we do that, we need to appoint uh, the architectural you review. You would need committee. to appoint the architectural review committee. And um, can we, we do that without it being noticed? It, we cannot. No, I believe they can if we just go back to commission matters, couldn't we, city attorney? Uh, Deputy City Attorney Peter Millage, I believe you'd have to have agendized Right. The appointment okay. of an architectural review committee okay. members before you can take that action. But, but, but at this time, we, we can um, make a motion to not go forward with the I, CFA. I would, I would recommend making a motion to continue, continue this it. matter okay. out to a date specific uh, for enough time for you to appoint an architectural review committee and have it heard before them and then have it come back to you. So can we put it on uh, our next meeting's agenda to appoint the, the ARC? And That's then enough to uh, do, yes. the subsequent meeting after that to have this come back to us. Uh, to the ARC. Oh. To the ARC, I'm sorry. Yes. yes. Just knowing how much work it kind of takes to get the art, you know, I think what I heard clearly today is that we want a better drawing package yes. that documents the project's history. So basically, what the original condition was, what the approved condition was. was what the legalized condition was, and then what the proposed condition is planning to be. And, and some assurances. Yeah, so part of that too would also be a construction schedule from the project sponsor team to outline what and when things are occurring on your site. Obviously, you have to work closely with your contractor um, on all of that. Uh, we do need to review it with ARC as well. Um, so honestly, I probably would give us another like two months to three okay. months to kind of get all of this together, because then we need to make sure that we revise the case for material accordingly, as well as um, our, our work. And I don't know, Ms. Wong, do you think that sounds like uh, enough time for you to do your work? Kelly Wong, um, Planning Department staff. Yes, yeah, I think two, three months because of you know some people being out of the office and being able to um, be ready to do the site investigation and also to review drawings to make sure that they are accurate and uh, represent what's actually as built on site. Thank you. So I might propose November 15th then as a date for us to come back, which is about two months from now. Motion extended to November um, 15th. Well, uh, to come back here or to actually hold the ARC? No, well, I think. And, the, then, and then in between that time, we would do ARC. So, and we can calendar that separately. So maybe November 1st for the ARC and November 15th to, for the continuance? Or, or uh, okay. I'm, 
Oh, Gigi Gunther planning staff. Um, can you please summarize just, I think, what types of plans, photos you would like to see at ARC to provide you enough information beyond what was in the plans today? In the plans today, we do show the plans as approved under motion 0414, the as-built, and then the proposed. So I just want to clarify, we really know what we want beyond that in preparation for ARC. Thank you. Commissioner Nagas Warren, did you want to? Um, so uh, to uh, the, the front facade, obviously, for uh, what Commissioner Wright was asking for in terms of the bay windows and the roof line, um, the north and south elevations, probably primarily, primarily the north elevation, um, but I think the exterior facades are the, the primary thing we want to understand um, and because the interior is gutted and redone, um, you know, internalizing the equipment is really on the sponsor side. We don't necessarily need to see where they put the equipment unless it's on the roof or outside. Um, so I think the facades and the roof roof plan are the primary things. And the partitions? The interior walls or the, the window openings? This is the modification the three and the recommendation from staff. Definitely to focus well, the, yeah, in the on the modifications the that yeah. were proposed today, including the roof. And there was, oh, sorry. There was a lot of movement of, of windows, obviously, so um, we probably want your recommendation for how to deal with the windows, because um, some moved and some were infilled, um, so uh, some recommendation for that, but I think the equipment and the gates are a big part of what we're looking at. Does that give you enough information, Ms. Gunther? Yes, that's plenty of information. I think it was for the benefit of myself and the sponsor, <laughs> so I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So, Commissioners, uh, we still need a motion to continue. We need motion. a motion to continue. Motion to continue to November 15th uh, and the ARC for November 1. Second. Very good, Commissioners, on that motion to continue this matter to November 15th with direction to the sponsor on that motion, Commissioner Vergara? Yes. Commissioner Wright? Yes. Commissioner Foley? Aye. Commissioner Nagas-Warren? Yes. And Commission President Matsuda? Yes. So moved, Commissioners, the motion passes unanimously 5 to 0, placing us on item 8 for case number 2022-008117 PTA for the property at 335 Powell Street. This is a request for a permit to alter. Thank you, Commission Secretary. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Uh, I'll give them a minute to leave. The last item on your HPC agenda is for a permit to alter for two proposed pergolas at the visible light wells of the St. Francis Hotel. 
the 13-story Italian Renaissance Hotel was built in 1904, the South Wings, uh, rebuilt in 1907 after the Great Earthquake and Fire, and expanded in 1913 with the North Wing, uh, all by significant Bay Area architectural firm Bliss and Favu. Uh, the proposal is for two steel-framed pergolas uh, at the second floor balconies, uh, or light wells, adjacent to Powell Street. Uh, they will be a total of 11 feet 2 inches, as to not exceed the ornate string course above the second floor, and will be recessed 5 feet from the historic ornamental railing and 8 feet from the Powell Street front property line. Um, associated downcast lighting and heaters will be finished in a dark, low-gloss paint, and the project will not remove any character-defining features. Uh, the proposal uh, staff finds is appropriate and consistent with the purposes of Article 11 and meets the Secretary of the Interior standards. Uh, given the depth of these large light wells, approximately 54 feet by 35 feet and extending 11 stories in height, uh, the department finds that although these pergolas will be visible throughout uh, multiple vantages of Union Square, uh, that they really don't diminish or take away from the historic resource. Um, so staff recommends approval and uh, separate from our analysis, uh, generally, um, the sponsor and the hotel feel that this project is essential, and uh, the department is generally in support of any downtown recovery efforts. And today we have uh, Lucinda Lawrence and Stephen. Stephen uh, from Stanton Architecture, uh, here to field any questions if you have them. And uh, I will put it back in your court. Is there is there a there sponsor presentation? Uh, there is no sponsor presentation. They just are here for any questions. Okay, very good. Uh, we should take public comment. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on this matter. Again, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand via WebEx. Seeing no request to speak, public comment is closed. And this matter is now before you, commissioners. Commissioner Foley. So I went down there um, on Saturday, I think. So I shopped at Macy's, which was kind of a disaster. Um, but then I, I looked at the building, and I think this is really great. And I think that the project sponsor wants to spend money and kind of activate things. So I'm. I'm, I'm really happy you're here, and I, I hope we can get this done. Thank you. Commissioner Nagas Warren. So um, I wanted to understand um, whether this uh, pergola can be turned so that we just see one beam and not all the beams facing the street, um, that we just see one line and the posts. Um, and then if the railing behind can match the railing in the front in the pattern, I see that they're kind of off pattern. Um, uh, and I think part of that is being on that terrace, you're going to see the historical perspective of that area. And so having the, the misalignment of the railing is going to be awkward. Um, 
so let's see what else. Um, and then as far as conditions of approval, uh, I didn't see any specifics, but I thought maybe uh, material, um, paint color, and attachments um, that might be attached to the facade on the sides, maybe at the railing um, uh, where it's abutting, and also waterproofing details in case it affects the stonework on the edges. Um, so I just want to summarize your comments. So currently, the project as proposed has a cross beam pattern. So Facing it would the street. your preference is to see just one. Right. Uh, and then in regards to the railings, um, I do want to remind the commission that um, uh, administrative minor permit to alter was uh, approved back in February. So the current railing location um, setback and design uh, was previously approved, but um, I'll let the sponsor speak to if they are open to making those minor uh, adjustments. Uh. Hi, I'm Steve Allen, Stanton Architecture. Um, yeah, even though it's already approved, um, the railing has not been constructed, we'd be perfectly fine changing the metering of the railing. It is a um, steel, very thin railing sort of to match the rest and set back from the stone railing. So I think from anywhere in Union Square, you won't actually be able to see it. Right. I can see from I'm, the experience on the inside. You're going to experience it from the space itself, though. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to see it when you're on the deck, mm -hmm. looking at the building surrounding you, which is also a historical perspective. Yeah, so we're, so we're fine why. taking a look and changing the metering. Um, I'm not familiar with exactly where everything lands with respect to the other railing, but... That's, I don't think that would be an issue. Um, as far as the connections to the points of the building, um, we have no connections to the building except through the floor. There's the four posts that hit there. Um, our electrical is also running up through the posts. We have lighting and electric heaters that are within the plane of the trellis, so things aren't dangling down. It still stays very light, so there's no other, no other penetrations. The um, floor material, which is also approved in the previous minor permit to alter, is a pedestal, pedestal. paver. Mm -hmm. So even that is just, you know, barely touching, if anything, the-, the And do you have waterproofing coming up along on the stonework or? Uh, below, so the- below it, yeah. uh, It's mostly the existing, what happens now, it's a single ply roofing oh, um, in places that might be repaired, but we're not going any higher than it is now. Are you open to turning the, the the frame so that we only see one I think we could, presence. we did take a look at that. We looked at okay. it in both directions um, and we felt that it was a lot heavier when we turned it mm. and it, it was a lot lighter and you could see through it more when it, it when the pickets were facing toward Union Square. You're so, talking about the beams. So I'm there's- I'm talking about the pergola. So if you turn the pergola and you see just one beam rather than 15 beams or whatever it is going. Yeah, so looking at the 15, we felt that you could sort of see through it more mm. and turning them other way, it sort of became more of a, a black mass because you're seeing them, you know, sort of continuously stacking up and it was harder mm. to see through them. 
So, you know, we'd be happy to show you that option. It wouldn't mm -hmm. be too hard for us to, um, you know, do a quick rendering and modify that a little bit to see what you thought. But when we looked at it, we, we preferred the current method because we thought it I would it have liked to have them. seen that alternative, okay. but yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, okay. I appreciate that. How okay. do we, Rich, if, if I want to see that particular option, how do we do that with this? Um, can we approve it and then we can't really approve it until we see the other option, right? Yeah, I would probably say you'd probably want to continue it and then basically review the other options because um, we, it would be hard to craft a condition that, that's based on that. Usually you want to be pretty exacting about Is this something that they can bring at the next meeting yeah. on the 20th? Or could it, be, could it be a condition that it gains approval later or? Well, if you if you come on the next meeting, then um, in between, if you could share with me images, and then we could just make a decision on the next meeting. Okay, we can do that. Yeah, so that would be my recommendation. I mean, my perspective is it's Union Square, so I just want to. Yeah, we understand. Right. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Wright? Um, yeah. Um, I was, um, um, I'm feeling like, the, uh, like the, the visibility of this is too great um, for kind of the significant building, uh, the primary facade of the significant building on a significant uh, public space in San Francisco. Um, I'm, I'm all for uh, upgrades and uh, contemporary interventions uh, to uh, uh, make spaces useful. Um, but I, I'm curious if, if you know why um, the project sponsor feels like this is an essential project for their, for their operation or function. Um, but uh, right now, uh, just based on the packet, um, the uh, it, it just feels like the the height. I don't know if the height could come down or the push the setback could be uh, greater. I, I I think that the use of this space these spaces are great, um, and and that was already uh, reviewed previously. Um, you know to to make these uh, outdoor spaces occupiable and and uh, well used. Um, I think the views would be great facing the square, uh, but but those those are some some questions that I have uh, in review of the package. Steve Allen with Stanton again. Um, current use of the spaces on the interior, a lot of those are uh, you know there is sort of one assembly space. Um, in that sort of middle bay of the building, uh, sort of cut up offices right now, um, sort of underutilized for what that space is and what it could be. Um, on the interior, which again is part of the, the other permit, um, we are sort of um, increasing the size of that space, taking out all offices, making that a sort of a central um, meeting room assembly space, which will then feed into both of the balconies on both sides. And again, on the um, south meeting or south of the 
South balcony is another meeting room. So really being able to use all those spaces together for a much better event space rather than underutilized a few offices and storage right now. Yeah, I, I, I guess I was I was uh, referring to um, the balconies, you know, being the as being great spaces to use. Uh, I don't have any questions about the interior adjacent spaces, um, but really, um, what's so essential about the pergola to um, the function of and and use of these balconies in in um, in concert with the proposed plans and use for the interior adjacent spaces. Um, it feels to me like the um, the adverse effect um, is there um, visually uh, for something that might really not be that essential to the success of this project. Uh, the east facade of the Western St. Francis doesn't get a lot of direct sun very long into the day in these deep... Um, these uh, deep uh, spaces. Uh, I work just across the street from this, and uh, you know, it, it's. I think very like in the early morning only is are, are these areas fully flush with sun. So um, otherwise, they're pretty well shadowed um, all day long. Uh, so I, I don't know what function the pergola is providing um, to allow for um, for um, kind of the invigoration and update uh, use of this space as you're describing. Um, it, it, it is clear in your description that um, you're looking at attaching uh, lighting um, and electrical to the trellises, um, but um, aside from that, I, I guess I'm, I'm not sure that they're really needed. Yeah, Commissioner, I'm happy to weigh in just to give you an idea of where the department was going on this, because obviously it is a fairly new intervention on a very historic hotel. And, you know, I think we also understood that it was going to be visible, like it was something, you know, in our understanding, the sponsor was really looking for something that could kind of establish place, right, or establish a new space within the hotel. And it really was like a placemaking type of feature and also to kind of highlight, you know, a new aspect of the hotel as related to Union Square in particular. Um, the intervention obviously is, is very modern in its look. And we actually encouraged that um, quite a bit to make sure that you could understand a clear differentiation between the old and the new. Um, we also pushed them quite a bit to keep it um, thinner in profile, so that way mm -hmm. then the sight lines on it would would disappear as much as we we could. You know, I think our larger recognition is that Union Square needs a lot of help. Um, is what I'm sorry needs a lot of help. Yeah, right. Like it's been a big focus of the department right now towards um, trying to do whatever we can do as the city to um, help reinvigorate Union Square, and obviously the hotel is one of the kind of anchor points of Union Square itself. Um, knowing that the hotel, given how COVID has impacted kind of their larger business and all of that was willing to invest in new spaces that could help kind of both 
you know, anchor and bring the hotel a little bit into the future, we were, we were supportive of that. And the team was, uh, was very responsive to us accordingly. So we balanced the kind of need of the historical nature of the hotel with the kind of like artfulness of the kind of pergolas to mm -hmm. like come with a recommendation before you that we would be able to support. So um, that's a little bit of little color in terms of like where the department was going and why um, we kind of pushed this forward. That, that's that's helpful and and I, I do appreciate that um, and and like I was saying I don't uh, uh, think that we can't have contemporary interventions to activate space um, but those those are kind of the questions that I was thinking of um, on this again uh, uh, significant facade on a significant building in a significant um, public space in San Francisco and on um, page three of the uh, the report um, you know enlisted under the issues and considerations the first three bullet points are the visibility of of the pergolas um, the adequacy of provided setback and downcast lighting um, from the pergola so um, I I think that um, there, there are issues and considerations for me, and I'm kind of agreeing with that. And to respond to that a little bit, uh, you know, the design of the pergolas, I think, sort of there, there's dual function of of just creating a space um, that's a little bit more human scale. I think that the bottom of the pergolas is about 10 feet, um, and in that space, I think creating the right balance. We didn't want it to be 14 feet and too tall, too massive. Um, we felt that lower than that at nine feet would feel very low. It would be like a large space with a low ceiling. We didn't want to create that as well. Um, as we mentioned also, you know, there's not too much sunlight there. Um, San Francisco, we love roof decks on every project now, except they're always cold. So the other purpose is that we have lighting and we have heaters in there. And, you know, we don't want to build this space and have them never be used. So it's sort of essential to have a structure that fit in with the building also provide provided level of comfort. Were there other considerations for um, implementation of heating besides um, a trellis system? Um, and it is helpful, thank you for um, pointing out that the bottom of the structure, the bottom of the pergola structure you said is at 10 feet? Yeah, I think But 10 the top two. is at 11 foot two? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so the 10 feet is the clearance. Yeah, I believe the, so. And then, yeah, we also didn't, you know, creating sort of a lid on that, didn't want to stay in the space with no lid, and you just feel like you're in a, a cavern with the walls that are so high. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's no, there's no um, thought or proposal um, or understanding um, or hope that the, these would be covered in, like, some sort of a fabric or any kind of vegetation. They're, they're really meant to be the trellis structure that we're seeing in the drawings. Yes, Is that right? we had discussed with them if they wanted a lid, and that was not desired. They, okay. you know, okay. this is not going to be used while it's raining or or that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. That's helpful. Thank you, Commissioner Nagas Warren. Um, some of those questions were answered. I wanted to know, you know, about the lighting, and also, uh, you know, if they wanted to cover it. So, thank you. Commissioner Foley, I just I just want to recognize I just want to mention that um, 
I really appreciate staff's review of this and how they want to try to bring Union Square back and help these hotels activate the space. That hotel can actually use some activation. I mean, it's, it's tired, and I think the idea of bringing a contemporary change and activating is a really good idea. I think we have to take a look at it, but I think we also really need to work with a project sponsor and, and get this going. So thank you, and I look forward to seeing you in two weeks. I make a motion to continue for two weeks. Uh, I think Commissioner Wright wanted oh, to sorry. make. Thank you. Uh, if if this were um, if there were were to be more review of this and a continuance, um, I think that uh, it would be helpful to. There are no renderings uh, or idea of um, what the downcast lighting effects would be from the pergola. It might be helpful to have renderings that also. Uh, give some sense to commissioners as to what that might look like um, from the street. Please. Afternoon, commissioners. Jonathan, and department staff. Um, I think this is all a very helpful discussion. I think we're absolutely happy to provide all this. I just want to check with them. Our packets are due at 2 p.m. on Wednesday the week before. So I just, do you guys think you can put this together within a week? Great. I just wanted to check on that. Thank you both. Thank you. Motion to move continuance for two weeks. I'll second that. Very good, commissioners. If there's nothing further, there is a motion that has been seconded to continue this matter with direction to September 20th, 2023 on that motion. Commissioner Vergara? Yes. Commissioner Wright? Yes. Commissioner Foley? Aye. Commissioner Nicus Warren? Yes. And Commission President Matsuda? Yes. So moved, Commissioners. That motion passes unanimously five to zero. Thank you. That concludes our hearing for today. Thank you.